ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spend Got to get back to my baby again Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter When she wrote me a letter Said she couldn't live without me no Lexington. I'm your host, Brian L. Fry, and this is The Bindle, an eclectic mix of songs, sonic ephemera, and interviews. Today, my guest is Tasha Cotter, a poet and novelist who graduated from the University of Kentucky and lives in Lexington. We will discuss her new novel, Us in Pieces, which she co-authored with Christopher Green and which is published by Shadeland House Modern Press. So welcome to the show, Tasha. Thank you so much for having me here. Great. Yeah, no, it's really it's really fun to have you. And I I really enjoyed reading uh, part of your novel the other night. I only <laughs> just got a copy. So I, I haven't read the end yet. I can't. There's no spoilers in today's show because good, good. I haven't haven't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun and a really interesting and sort of um, book with a unique, really unique and, and, and different sort of form to it. So I, I wonder if you could if you could start by just talking a little bit about sort of the origin story for this novel. So like, is this your first novel? And sort of where did it come from? Yeah, this is really the first novel in terms of the origin story. Uh, Christopher Green and I met at Center College way back in 2002. We were both English lit majors at Center College. I was more of the photographer, actually. Um, we wanted to be writers. That's what we wanted to do when we grew up. And so we reconnected after a lot of years, decided it was time to try writing a novel. We both really loved the work of writers like Juliana Baggett, Steve Allman, Nick Hornby, writers who write funny, quirky, but also intellectually engaging fiction. And we wanted to try to write something like an epistolary novel, um, but we wanted to put a contemporary spin on that. And so as you can tell, this book was written through text messages, emails, instant messages, flashbacks, and present day narrative. So the story quickly took on a life of its own. That's a little <laughs> bit about the history of this book. Yeah, so maybe you could introduce the characters and sort of the the sort of the background to 
you know, like let readers know a little bit about sort of what the nature of the story is and who yes. who it's looking at? Yeah, essentially, it is a fun story. It is a love story. It follows two characters, Lily Jameson, the character I wrote, and also Aidan Driscoll, the character that Christopher Green wrote. Essentially, they were the best of friends in college. She disappeared from college kind of mysteriously, um, so it raised a lot of questions in his mind. They fell out of touch for a lot of years. This story picks up as she is separating from her husband, and Aiden gets back in touch with her, and suddenly it is a question of whether to allow that friendship to per- perhaps become something more, or, or do you realize that maybe that was left long ago for a reason? So that's kind of the central question that drives the story and propels the narrative forward. Cool. So what was the writing process like? You said that you wrote one character and your co-author wrote another. Was that sort of the plan when you started? And and how did that process feel? Did you have any issues like integrating your respective writing styles? Or was that kind of part of the structure of the book? You know, every writer approaches a, a book differently. Most would say having an outline is a really good idea because you have something like a roadmap to, to guide you forward. We did not have an outline. We each wrote a character sketch, a one-page character sketch of our respective characters, exchanged those character sketches, and essentially we wrote this using Google Drive. So he would write his character, I would then respond to what I'm seeing happen in the story with my character, and there was not a lot of going back to, to edit, to revise, there was not a lot of discussion as to what was going to happen. So it was really a process of us continually responding to the narrative events as they're taking place. And so in my acknowledgments, I I mentioned to Chris that I'm grateful that he occasionally took care of Lily, my character, when she was occasionally in his hands, because I'd have to do the same with to to the Aiden character. But we did not have an outline. We were essentially writing in a very collaborative way, using Google Drive, piecing these stories and bits of narrative together toward the very end. Um, And, you know, this book took probably eight months to write and a good seven to eight years to edit, revise. So it went through a lot of revisions, a lot of re- reworking, relooking at things. But, you know, toward the end, we started weaving in those flashbacks. And those flashbacks take the reader back in time to when they were in college. So they can, so the reader can see what was, what these people were really like in college, what was happening in their lives. Um, toward the very end, you encounter a flashback of Lily's that really helps the reader understand some of the decisions she ended up making later on that Aiden was never privy to. Mm-hmm. Could you talk about the editing and revision process a little bit? Like, how did the book change during that really sounds like a relatively long period of working on it, sort of yeah. post having finished the story, but mm-hmm. before feeling like it was ready for publication? Well, I started working on this. <clears throat> When I was a student in the Bluegrass Writers Program, the Bluegrass Writers Writers Studio Program, the MFA program with Eastern Kentucky University, um, I was becoming a better writer through that time. And just over the years of reading, writing, looking at my work, looking at the work of others, you become a better writer through continually engaging with your work and the work of others. He was doing the same thing. So it was really a matter of tinkering with the language um, in terms of the big plot elements, everything like that was in place. But it was a matter of kind of chiseling away at anything extra, really making that narrative really tight. So nothing really dramatic changed until later in the revision process when we were working with Alice Spielberg out of Louisville, Kentucky. She's an agent out there I've worked with for years. And she mentioned, I'd really like to see what these people were like in college. Is there a way to... We even flashbacks, so we get a sense of 
what was going on years ago that helped them become the people they ended up becoming. So that's probably the biggest element that actually happened in revision was going back and weaving in the flashbacks throughout the novel. Mm-hmm. Were there elements or places in the story that were surprising to you while you were writing it? I mean, it sounds like you hadn't, like, as you said, planned out every sort of development in the story before you started. Were there things that happened that you weren't expecting or that, you know, you wouldn't have anticipated when Mm -hmm. you started writing it? It was a continual surprise as we were writing it. And so I remember at one point in the novel, um, Aiden goes to Lily and they're in a hotel room and it becomes clear that Aiden is going to walk out on her. And historically throughout this novel, she's been the one to leave. But seeing Aiden make that choice to leave and then having to roll with that and and think about the narrative and what's going to happen next and what would she do, that was a big moment, a big turning point for me and a big turning point in the relationship of these two characters too because suddenly um, the balance of their relationship is thrown off and you see Lily kind of reckoning with that. Aiden has left and she's got to think for herself, you know, is this a relationship worth salvaging? Um, How to respond to that? Mm -hmm. And so... Understanding these two people, understanding the characters and making sure that their choices make sense and are believable was something I was constantly wrestling with when I was writing this book. Mm-hmm. To, to what extent did you draw on like personal experience and mm-hmm. like creating these characters and thinking about the story? And mm-hmm. do you see if I mean, if you did, do you see yourself like sort of reflected in one or maybe even both of the characters? Yeah. As time has gone by, I see myself reflected in both of these characters. You know, Aiden was always written to be um, something of a photographer. That was really his forte, visual arts. It was only years after we were, were done writing this that I realized, gosh, that was more of me in college. I was the one who had my camera taking pictures and going to get my film developed on the weekends. And, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. And so, of course, I, I, I understand Lily. I understand where she's coming from, the kind of questions she struggles with in becoming the person she wants to be as a writer. I get that. Um, One part of the book mentions that she is in college wanting to become a writer, trying to figure out how that happens. So that was a background for her that I could relate to quite a lot. Um, But it's only later that you start thinking about, gosh, there are other pieces of these people that I understand really well. Um, But of course, it was rooted in me meeting my co-author, Christopher Green, at Center College way back in 2002. And so, yeah, we were always... Two artistic people that wanted to grow up and learn how to become a writer, writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, there, there is a. There, I did strike me that there was sort of a theme of two people struggling with their creative impulses as well as their interpersonal relationship. Mm-hmm. But it seems like, in in some ways, like it, it's it was easier to sort of feel Lily's like aesthetic or kind of artistic ambitions because you could sort of like include her stories or excerpts from her stories within the text of the book. How did you approach thinking about conveying the sort of um, artistic experience of, of Aiden, a photographer, you know, cause there doesn't have pictures. It's a, it's a all, all text. So sort of, how did you conceptualize sort of thinking about, him as an artist in in the context of the book? Well, you know, my co-author Christopher Green really had creative control there. Um, And so that would probably be a better question for him. But in terms of Lily and the way she might consider this, you know, when I was writing the scene where she goes to Savannah and she's meeting with Aiden's dad and she stumbles upon his creative portfolio, which was essentially kept a secret from her 
all those years, um, a portfolio of photographs of her from college. Um, what I was drawing on as I was seeing that, writing that scene was, you know, a journals I kept in college. I frequently kept journals in college. Um, I wrote down quotes, things I overheard. And of course, I taped in a lot of photographs. So I was trying to channel those memories of what it would be like to open one of those journals and just see all these taped in images of, of people I knew and places I was really familiar with. And so I was just trying to, to draw, draw on all those things that I might be experiencing myself if I were to encounter something like a portfolio of amazing prints of yourself that were taken, you know, during college, you know, an experience that we all remember and most of us cherish. So I was trying to draw on those experiences of what that might be like. But um, I've thought about if we were to write a second book, what would Aiden be doing at that point? And I, I kind of wonder if he would be like someday a National Geographic photographer or something, because what, what always drove him were the pho photography of the natural world, the environment, the big breathtaking landscapes. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe you could, you could talk a little bit more about the form of mm -hmm. the book as well because as you said right it really does have this sort of epistolary quality to it yeah. in the sense that you know I mean a lot of the narrative takes place in the form of emails or like text messaging mm -hmm. um, as well as dialogue mm -hmm. and kind of narration and reflection so there's just a lot of different voices and a, a lot of different sort of rhetorical forms that you're using throughout yeah. the book. Um, so what do you see as like the advantages of using that approach? And were there any challenges, like things you struggled with in terms of thinking how to make those different ways of expressing the narrative sort of integrate with each other? I think what we wanted to do was tell a very comprehensive story of two people. What this really becomes is a question of perspective. You know, how much do you reveal of yourself to other people? The flashbacks allowed us to bring forward some of that historical baggage that both characters kind of took on. It was a challenge to write this, and I think it was probably a greater challenge for the publisher and going through copy editing and layout. You can imagine that first and foremost on our minds was the reader's experience. We want to make sure the reader understands when it's an Aiden section versus a section of Lily's, when we're talking about an instant message, a text message, an email. We wanted to make all that really crystal clear. And so a lot of those questions were addressed in putting together the layout. And I worked really closely with Virginia Underwood and Stephanie with Shaylin House Modern Press to really think this through in terms of how the book was going to read and how it can be as crystal clear to the reader and also embrace all those different forms coming together. But it was absolutely a struggle, even things like getting the time zones right. It was a small detail, but you know, toward the end as it's going through the copy editing and layout, it becomes really clear, like we've got to make that really clear because this book takes place in a lot of different locations. So it's one of those books, if you're looking for something to read this summer, it could be really great for that because it takes you to a lot of different places. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the way you use different typographic elements to signal to the reader what kind of communication they were looking at, I found really helpful and effective. Oh, that's great to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's something subtle, but it conveys a lot of information in a really... Um, 
in a really efficient way, as right. it were. Right. And, and one thing we have to grapple with, with is technology has changed so much. You know, when I was growing up, it was AOL Instant Messenger. Um, that's what I remember from college. You now everybody uses Google Chat. And so just thinking about how things appear on a screen and creating something that's believable and realistic was also challenging. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, and I mean, the, the considerable parts <laughs> of the book are set in a kind of college milieu. And I, I must say, although I went to college a few years before the time period mm -hmm. in which the book is set, it did have a very um, robust sort of sense of a particular moment in time as well. Yes. Um, before our cell phones were so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. But, but also, like, I mean, just one thing among a lot of other things is, you know, you talk a lot about particular kinds of music or particular bands, mm -hmm. and that really kind of called to mind a particular historical moment. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, sort of the role of those sort of um, cultural touchstones uh, mm -hmm. from a particular time in putting the, good, the book together. Yeah, so the college days of this novel, that was the time of Napster. That was the time of mixed CDs. You know, I just remember music was so important to the people I ran around with. And discovering a new artist that you know, when you're a teenager discovering new music, these are just things you live for. And so we knew that we wanted to try to find ways to incorporate some of the, the artists that we really love. And I'm thinking of The Shins, I'm thinking of Brian Adams, um, even a band like The Wallflowers, you know, they were hugely popular. Um, Something Corporate was another favorite. And so when you hear a song, you know, there's this great scene in the book where Aiden is with Lily and she's asking him, why is it when we're going through something so traumatic, music always finds a way to say it better than we ever could. And so we wanted to try to weave in very subtly some of the artists, the songs, to help unpack some of the ex experiences for the reader, perhaps as a gift to the reader to discover some of these bands or artists that they might not have heard of before. Um, we did put together a Spotify playlist that probably has over 20 songs that, you know, this is something we've created over the last 10 years, probably the Spotify playlist. We wove together artists and songs from college days that we really loved, and then more recent songs and artists that have come on the scene that also speak to some of the powerful moments of this book, the near misses, the best moments, the, the minor tragedies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe, I mean, maybe you could, when, you, when you put together the Spotify pl playlist, were you thinking of music that you included in the book itself, or maybe music that just reminded you of something that was in the book or something about the themes of the book? What was sort of the idea behind that? Well, I know I don't want to speak for Christopher, but I was trying to weave in artists and bands from the book itself. Um, but also think more about the moments from the book. So this book, as we were writing it, even as I reread it, it feels like I can see it. It's always been a very cinematic thing for me. Um, so I wanted to just find songs and artists that touch upon moments from this book. Um, and so that, that was a really big driving process in creating that Spotify list. Cool. Well, the book was very recently published, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. Okay. This last week. <laughs> <laughs> so how how has it been so far? I mean, how, what, what kind of feedback have you gotten? Mm -hmm. Has the reception been been positive so far? It's been really positive. I've been doing a lot of readings. I was at the Carnegie Center, went up to Indianapolis. This Friday, I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio. So you know, Ohio plays a huge role in this book. I'll be reading um, at the 
book loft of German village up there. It's going to be fun. And so I try to pick out a different section to read. Um, what I read at the Eastern Kentucky University residency was the last flashback of Lily's in the book. So it's a very emotionally charged section of the book. But um, it's like that old saying, if, there's, if there are no tears in the writer, there are no tears in the reader. A lot of people have said this book makes them laugh and cry. I think that's a good thing. But it's early. But, you know, we've had a lot of really positive responses so far. Cool. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm sure it's really going to speak to a lot of people. It seems like it mm-hmm. crystallizes the experiences a lot of people have had, and mm-hmm. it's a really fun and powerful story. So mm-hmm. thanks so much for coming on the show, Tasha. Thanks for letting me talk about us in pieces. Return to sender. Return to sender. I gave a letter to the postman. He put it in his sack Bright and early next morning He brought my letter back She wrote upon it Return the sender Address unknown No such number No such song We had a quarrel It in the mailbox as in a special deed. Bright and early next morning, it came right back to me. She wrote upon it. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such person. No such zone. This time I'm going to take it myself and put it right in her hand. And if it comes back the very next day, then I'll understand. Riding on it. Return to sender. Address unknown. No such number. No 